right, and let's hear from Bethel. All right, so we have Paul, Hannah, and Christine here. So to start us off, we just want to ask, so how did you get your start in worship? Um, I was actually in youth group, and uh, I was 15 years old, and we had a worship, our worship leader at the church. Um, he had me playing keys, so I was playing keys. I wasn't awesome at it, <laughs> but I was doing it. <laughs> And uh, well, there was one, it was one Sunday where one of our worship leaders didn't show up. And he put the mic in front of the keyboard and said, you're singing today. <laughs> you know, is anybody a part of a small church? You know, where it's like, you have to do it all. Um, so if somebody doesn't show up, somebody has to step up and do it. And I was terrified as a 15-year-old. Because I'm like, I don't sing. I just play the piano. And... Um, and then right after, I got the encouragement that I needed to keep going. So it's, I mean, encouragement is vital. If nobody said anything after I sang that song, if nobody encouraged me afterwards, then I probably wouldn't be sitting here, so. <laughs> um, yeah, my story's similar, actually, in youth group. Um, and this is awesome for all you youth pastors. I am... Um, I remember in youth group one night just being at the altar and it was like a, a prayer time and someone was leading worship. <coughs> and um, I remember my youth pastor came up to me. I had my eyes closed, so I didn't really know what was going on. He came up and like leaned over to me. He's like, I want you to go up and sing a song. And I was like, what the heck? No. <laughs> and I was so nervous. Um, Thank God for all of you youth pastors who see the gold in people before they see it in themselves. So I, I went up and not even being humble or anything, it was really bad because <laughs> I was so nervous. Um, but it was like a step, you know, in faith and, and towards, I guess, calling as leading worship. Um, and then Paul and I, we met a little bit farther down the road and we've been singing and leading worship since we were babes too. You want to talk a little further down the road, like a year later, <laughs> we were like 15, <laughs> man, kudos to you guys. First of all, I drove up and was like, man, dirty, stinky kids, my worst <laughs> nightmare. And you, you, you youth pastors are the real lovers of Jesus to, to be here. You guys are smart too, having the coffee for the youth leaders and AC. They're like, thank God. You're probably just here for the AC and the coffee. You don't even care what we're talking about. <laughs> Um, I, uh, I had a very cool start in a family band, so I was very cool. My shirt was tucked in when I met Hannah. I was cool. Um, I actually grew up, uh, PK, any other PKs in here? Yes. We were the coolest. Come on. <laughs> I, um, I grew up as, as a pastor's kid and I actually started playing the violin when I was like six or seven, played that for years. And then they finally let me play something cooler, so I started playing the drums. And then started playing guitar when I was, I don't know, probably 15. Um, but my family actually grew up singing together. Um, yeah, nice. <laughs> um, grew up singing together, and then when I was about 15 and started learning guitar, I started um, just falling in love with worship music, falling in love with the Lord. Um, but that was back when, like, Open the Eyes of My Heart was the big songs, and Martin Smith and all that. And so just really just kind of learned that I could sing to the Lord by myself and he would hear me 
and felt what that did and was hooked. So that's how I got my start. All right. So you guys had talked about how you were mainly teenagers when you got started. So you're speaking to a group full of youth pastors and youth leaders who are training up the next generation of worship leaders. So what would you say to these youth leaders and youth pastors as to how could they, what, what, what advice would you give them when they're training up those, those different individuals? Good question. I think we could all say something. Um, you know, I was, I was just sitting here thinking about that very thing. Um, cause most of my, most of the influence I had was when I was a teenager and from grownups that I looked up to, you know, and I can remember, I don't know that I remember. One of my biggest influences were my two brother-in-laws, so Hannah's brother and his sister's husband, and they both led worship and were kind of heroes to me. The funny thing is they were like 25 when I met them, and I thought they were so old because <laughs> I was like 15. Um, but they both led worship, and they let me be on their worship team. I would say the biggest things that helped me, I don't know that I can remember like specific advice they gave me, but time was a huge thing. They just gave me time and made me feel like I was important and, and that I was worth their time and then opportunity because, man, I think about the times they let me sing or play on stage and think how bad it probably must have been and how today it would probably drive me crazy in the exact same situation. But they let me do it. It was the only way that I got better at what I was doing. So I would say just giving your time, and, and like Hannah said, seeing people, seeing the gold that's on their life, and pulling that out, out of them and giving them opportunity. That's good. Yeah, I think um, all of that's really good, and just encouraging them. Um, even if it's just a few words, I think it goes a lot farther than you think. You know, something that you say may stick with them for the rest of their life, and you don't even think about it. Um, so just encouraging words along with your time. And, um, you know, sometimes it is a risk uh, that you can take, you know, putting someone up on stage or, you know, even calling me out to sing a song that, you know, I was scared to death to do. But if you see an anointing on someone, you know, to it doesn't have to be worship even, but if you feel like there's something on um, one of your youth one of their lives, you know, just, just encourage that in them and, you know, be willing to take a risk on them. And, and I fully believe you'll see a reward in that. Yeah. For me, my youth pastors, uh, Mike and Angie Coppola were their names. And I still keep in touch with them because, um, they, they taught me that God liked me. I just, I'll never forget that. Um, Mike preaching and saying, Jesus likes me. And I was like, what? So I can like I can put my finger on things that were life changing for me and shifted the course of my life, you know. And so I remember go we went through a massive church split when I was 13 years old. And those are heartbreaking, you know, and a lot of us in here have probably been through that. But because these these two people like took me, you know, under their wing and basically they, they I remember them showing me a map of the world and saying, Christine, where do you want to go? Like, what do you want to do with your life? And at it was it was to a 15-year-old that actually hadn't thought outside of Niagara Falls, New York, you know. I'm like, well, I thought it, I'm just going to be here forever, <laughs> you know. And and they put a map in front of me and just asked me, like, where do you want to go? And um, and my worldview just shifted. They shifted my entire worldview. So, like, not enough can be said about the weight of your position and um, 
and just being able to to say, hey, this is what God's doing in my life. This is where I'm at right now and just have them celebrate with me, you know, because my victories are their victories, you know. It's it's amazing. Um, love Love those youth pastors. So I'm sure you guys spend a lot of time on the road. So tell us a little bit what it's like having your life on the road, the difficulties with that, and just the experience of traveling. I have the mic, so <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I'm more of like a homebody. I actually really love m- being home, and I have two children, so I have uh, a two-year-old little boy, and I have a six-year-old little girl, and I do prefer to be with them. No offense, <laughs> but um, it's, it's a challenge, but I have an incredible husband who helps me and who encourages me to fulfill the calling that's on my life and to do what I was put on this earth to do. And a lot of times we just all go together, you know, like we're packing up the kids, we're going to South Carolina and then jumping over to Ireland this summer. And, um, and the kids love it. You know, they're like, yay, we're going with mom. Um, and me, I'm like, well, I have to carry all your stuff. This is not fun. So... I'm like, can you carry your backpack? Don't you see I have five more? You know, and so um, it's just, I say you can do anything with kids that you can do without. It's just five times harder and you have to carry more stuff. (laughs) So um, that's what travel is like for me. Um, It's not as glamorous as maybe it looks because when you're on a tour bus, you're literally in a three by six coffin bed. And you're just praying that nobody slams on the brakes, you know, and breaks your legs. <laughs> but um, we do. We love, I'd say, you guys probably say the same thing, so I'm just going to say it. Uh, we love exporting what God is doing at home, at our home church. It's such an honor to be able to um, carry the, the culture, I guess, um, and share it. That's really good. Yeah, ditto to all that. Um um, since Paul and I both travel at the same time, usually since we both lead together, I think we're just always kind of constantly trying to stay in tune with um, just kind of balancing and making sure that our family is doing well above everything else. And if it's not, then, you know, we'll talk about do we need to cut back traveling or, you know, do this or that. So we just it's kind of an open conversation, I would say, and just trying to um stay in tune with the Holy Spirit um, as to what season we're in, because I think we're just kind of open, like, you know, this season may look differently, maybe won't travel as much, you know, here or there, and saying no to things if we feel led to, so um, we just kind of try to stay open in that realm, and and trips are, (laughs) like Christine is saying, it's not very glamorous, especially when you bring your kids, it's like, you know, you you lead worship and it's a great set and then you go off the stage and you change diapers so <laughs> it's that's real life so good. Um, I just care if there's a Chick-fil-A in the city I'm going to that's really yeah us Christians love our Chick-fil-A don't we and we don't have a Chick-fil-A in Reading so oh man oh yes all the food that's what I travel for no I'm just kidding but sort of but no, they said everything. Great answers, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So how do you balance your life of, um, you know, being such busy in, in your career, but as well as making sure that you're keeping grounded in your faith? So how do you balance that? How do you make sure that's stable? Good question. Grounded in your faith. 
I mean, I think um, I think the good thing for all of us is that we all grew up in church. We all grew up in small ministries where you got to see real people doing ministry. And so, thankfully, what we do is an overflow of just how we live our life, you know. And, and it's a, the, the thing that I love about Bethel Music, and especially Brian and Jen, who are over Bethel Music, is they have a, they have a value for family and church. And so we're never gone more than two Sundays a month because we're exporting the worship and what's going on at Bethel Church. And so being able, having that as a core value really helps you stay grounded in, in the priorities of community and family and all those things because we don't want people away from their family for months at a time. And so just having, having that as a value is super helpful. And then just remembering that, this is funny, we were riding with a guy in Nashville last week who is like one of the best like top CCLI guys and who's written so many songs, like just a dream to be able to write with him. And he said before, he's like, Hey guys, let's pray before we start writing. And he prayed and he said, God, I literally can't do anything without you. And like kind of belabored the point of like, I can't tie my shoes without you, Lord. And it was so cool to see a guy like that. Who's written so many amazing songs, doing so much for the kingdom to still have that kind of reliance on God. And so I think we just try to live from that place of, it's kind of useless to travel and do all these things if you're not doing it for the right reasons and because you ju- it's just an overflow of what's going on in your life already. I don't think you can really have longevity in ministry, even as a youth pastor, if that's not the case. So, Yeah, yeah I think something else that helps keep us grounded, too, is just community. Um, you know, your closest friends and relationships, if you start to get a bit big head or like, you know, acting strange, you're like, what's going on? Like, what are you doing? So they kind of keep you in check and just, um, you know, Brian and Jen, like Paul saying, they're amazing leaders and they, um, they have a community night every month. So it just, it kind of recenters us every time I go to that meeting and, you know, we're with all of our you know, people on our worship team. So it just always recenters me and it makes me refocus on why we're doing what we're doing. You know, that we're going out to lead people, hopefully into encounters with Jesus. And that's the priority. Um, and so it just, you know, community is a big part of that as well. And we're good. (laughs) Um, so who are some of your most inspirational worship leaders or, or person, people in, um, music, your most inspirational, inspirational, I uh, left Martin Smith, Delirious, were really big for me. Um, Jason Upton and IHOP, Kansas City. So um, I listened to Misty Edwards quite a bit. I didn't know who she was until I w- went down there. I actually spent six months at the House of Prayer, and it massively influenced my worship leading, but it also influenced the way that I looked at life, where I used to car- compartmentalize my relationship with God like I spend 30 minutes with Jesus a day, you know, and then I realized I remember at hour five in the prayer room and being like, I can't do that. And, uh, you know, I'm like, I can't do this. And Jesus is like, I want your whole life. I'm like, oh, you know, and um, but it was it was such a sweet place of surrender to be like, oh, God's not boring. I can actually he he can consume my entire life and and I can be happy. Oh. Look at that. And that was, Misty Edwards was a huge uh, influence in Jason Upton. Yeah. Um, gosh, there's so many of them. But I think growing up when I was younger, Darlene Check 
is a big one. Obviously, she's a queen, um, the queen. Yeah, so she, and she was um, maybe the first woman worship leader to kind of, I feel like, break the barrier, or at least that I know of. Um, so she was just an awesome example growing up for me. Um, and then actually, some of the earliest encounters I can remember to worship music are um, anyone familiar with the Brownsville revival, Lyndall Cooley? Um, some of his, uh, <laughs> yeah, some of his songs, um, yeah, were some of my first encounters with the Lord. Neither of them mentioned Paul McClure. That's kind of weird. <laughs> Whatever. Um, uh, man, for sure, Michael W. Smith. He was, I got Go West, young man, when I was a kid and a, and a sweet boom box that I could play it on. I would rollerblade in my driveway to Michael W. Smith. <laughs> oh, man. He's still, we were, t- we were talking with songwriters the other night, like, who's your, like, dream songwriter? And I was like, if I ever get to write a song with Michael W. Smith, I'll retire <laughs> after that. Uh, Michael W. Smith, Paul Balash, I loved him. Um, those are two of my main, main dudes. So how did you come to know Jesus? And it's a very busy Man, busy question. good question. I don't know that I can actually remember like a conversion moment. I just grew up in the church and just got saved like every time there was an altar call. <laughs> like kind of for real. <laughs> like every youth night, I'd be like, oh, I need to go up there and get saved again and get the packet of information again. I had like 12 Bibles from getting saved so many times. <laughs> so, yeah, just kind of grew up knowing that but there is a real shift which is why it's so important for youth leaders um especially when you have kids that grow up in the church um there's definitely this moment where you go from like i'm a kid at church and it's all i know to i'll actually have to like have my own faith and actually follow jesus on my own which pretty much happens when you're a teenager so i i can remember those moments very vividly of like i like i don't know what i actually believe like do i actually believe this and going through those moments as a teenager. That's funny. I had a similar experience. I was also a pastor's kid, so growing up, I feel like I got saved every week, too, <laughs> for a while. Um, but, yeah, pretty much the same thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I said the sinner's prayer like 18 times before I was five. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, when I was three, I think my dad led me to the Lord. And, um, and then I... I, you know, I, I grew up and I became like a s- stupid teenager. Um, I was just really f- like so self-centered and selfish. And I, th- I was 13 years old and I was sitting in front of um, my parents' computer and I was stealing a- AOL. Do you guys remember AOL? <laughs> Dial up. <laughs> so I'm, I'm stealing AOL with my parents' credit card. And I'm, I'm 13. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, like Jesus, I just feel Jesus. Like, I just feel him coming, just come in the presence of God. I feel the presence of God, and I start bawling. And I'm sitting, I sat there for an hour with my parents' credit card in my hand. And my parents come home, and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I am so selfish, and I'm full of myself, and I only think about myself. And and, and I re- it was like this repentance moment of, of now I'm going to give my life to something greater and bigger. And my parents didn't do anything they just probably prayed like a thousand prayers for my soul you know um but 
Yeah. And then I'd say, I'd say a massive shift for me was when I was 21 again, where I feel like I had like a born again experience, um, where I felt like I saw the kingdom of heaven for the first time. And Thank you. <laughs> All right, we'll ask one more question, and we'll open it up to the crowd. So tell us about your own personal devotional life and how you stay close to Jesus. Um, for me, for me, it has to be it has to be real and raw, and it has to be a normal experience. It, like as a mom, and I think anybody who's parents in the room, you sometimes it's hard to just be like, I need five hours, sorry. <laughs> I need five hours in my prayer closet. Or um, I had moments like that with the Lord before I was married, before I had children. And now I'm like, I, God, I just need you to be there when I turn my thoughts towards you, when I, when I stop and I think about you while I'm vacuuming my house, you know? And he's there every single time. It's like um, just cultivating a relationship with the Lord when I turn my thoughts and my affections and my attention to him. And it doesn't, it's, it doesn't have to be ours in a closet. God, please show up in the way that I think you should, you know? And so that has been my relationship with the Lord. And then I just have my Bible in my nightstand and I make sure I read a scripture a night. And that is, that's, that's it. And that is what is fueling my whole existence at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I can remember a time when my parents moved us out actually into the middle of nowhere in Virginia um, when I was 13. And we, um, so we were renovating this old farmhouse and there's like no friends, nobody out there. And um, that was kind of my... Um, come to Jesus moment, I guess, where I'm like, well, there's nobody else out here. I guess I'm going to have to get to know Jesus. <laughs> so um, that was like from then on, I feel like um, that actually changed my life. And I would actually take walks around the property is like 140 acres. And um, some of my closest times with the Lord are actually just taking walks um, and it was like Christine is saying, it's, it's still an intentional time, but not necessarily, um, you know, spending hours in the word or, you know, doing that. Um, but it was just a sweet time where I've, I've never forgotten that. And it just the importance of taking however much time you have and spending it with the Lord and making it a daily thing so that you don't spend one day away from him and, um, like Christine's saying, turning your affection towards him throughout the day. Awesome. Um, worship for me has always kind of been my secret place, um, kind of where I learned to <laughs> fell in love with Jesus. I can remember as a 15-year-old learning how to play Open the Eyes of My Heart and just playing in a room and encountering Jesus. So a lot of times, most of the time, I'll just go into the studio at, at our offices or, you know, shut the door Sometimes the kids are in there banging along with me, but just worship is always like that way that I connect the most with the Lord, uh, just me and an acoustic guitar or a piano, but also just trying to be, you know, trying to read my Bible and all those good things. I, um, the passion translation for me has been like a really big thing in the last few years, just kind of reigniting reading the word. So yeah, all those things. All right, so we're going to open up the questions to the crowd now. So if you have any questions, just raise your hand, and they can call on you. Just shout it out. 
Great question. Yeah, you're the youth leader and the worship leader. We've been there. Yeah, we were the youth leader, worship leader, accountant, janitor, all those things. We get it. Um, in the dark times, man, it's a real thing. I think I think f- I'll just speak from my experience um, because I've definitely been there. Um, I think community is very important for that. Um, I tend to. It's easy for me when I experience the dark times to kind of go away by myself and go inward and just want to stay home all the time. And Hannah reminds me that I have to talk to people and be a nice person. And But honestly, like community is a good way of pulling, pulling out of that. I think um, trying to do a good job because I'll, I'll even find myself a lot bogged down in the details of ministry and feeling like, why am I even doing this? And so I can almost almost every team night that we do, which is community, um, hearing hearing testimonies of what God is doing is huge, and and then doing doing like prophetic and encouraging ministry over each other, uh, if that's not part of your culture, trying to develop that because in that dark time, really you just need someone to know you, you need someone to know where you're at, you need like a revisioning, you need all those things, and then obviously. Um, just going to the Lord with it and say, I'm in a dark time and being honest about it. Um, but those are two things that I've tried to do when I feel like I'm in those seasons. That's good. Um, a few years back, Paul and I went through probably the hardest season in our marriage. And um, one of, I feel like the way that I survived and processed with the Lord was I would journal and I would write out everything. And we were meeting with our counselor, and he was like, just write everything that comes to your mind. Don't filter it, which I'd never done that before. You know, I feel like we all j- uh, fil- journal, and it's kind of like, you know, through a filtered lens of just in case someone reads it, or at least I did. Like, I, I just want it to look pretty, you know, just in case. Um, but he's like, no, write out everything. Like, write why, you know, when you're in the dark. Why are you in the dark? What are you feeling? So I would write everything out and kind of process, like Paul's saying, with people, um, but not stay there. So it's kind of like get it out, get it out, and then turn your eyes back up, upwards to Jesus. And um, like even singing, you're a worship leader, so singing songs that are, you know, help you lift your eyes and don't go inward too much, if that makes sense. So it's kind of like getting it out, processing, and then lift your eyes back up. Um, I feel like that was super helpful when we were going through a dark season personally. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's external circumstances or internal circumstances, but for me it was almost always internal. Like my, it was, it was like I was my own worst enemy sometimes. And uh, for me it was, it was setting my face and being determined to not believe any lies. Like, I was not going to believe any lies. I was not going to cower in fear. I was not going to fall down in self-pity and curl in a fetal position. You know, it. sometimes it's like, what? sometimes you cannot control what happens outside of you, you know? But very much so, like, I believe that when Jesus died, he gave me the power to, to manage what goes on inside of me, you know? And so um, I went through this really dark period for three years, of depression, anxiety, panic attacks, just stuff like that. And uh, I I just had to get out and I did something physical. I would I would climb the nearest mountain, you know, <laughs> I would just go out, climb a mountain. Every, it would take me 35 minutes, but it was those 35 minutes of just, I will set my face and I will, you know, I will not believe the lies 
you know, I'm going to believe every, everything God says about who I am and I'm going to move forward. I'm not going to let entertain any lies or, um, I just won't be defeated. You know, sometimes you just like the defeat is not an option. And if I have to drag my body across the finish line, so be it. You know, um, that's my personality. Um, I know it doesn't always work for everybody, but sometimes it works. You know, just Jesus has literally defeated everything I will face in this life. Uh, I wanted to say, too, that's so good. I don't know if this is the case with you, but. A lot of times in ministry, there's just this thing of like, especially in smaller local churches of, I just have to keep on keeping on and no matter what I got to just keep trudging and I could never take a break or I could never. And I, and I got to the point where I, you know, I grew up in the South and you didn't, you didn't face stuff where I was from. Like you kind of just smiled and said, bless your heart, bless you brother. (laughs) And you just kept doing your thing, even though you were doing terrible and so when I came to Bethel and they started talking about emotional health and knowing your heart, it was like a foreign language to me. I was like, what are you even talking about? They're like, how's your heart? I'm like, fine. I mean, I guess, I think, you know. And so for me, it was it was actually taking the time to learn what that me- that meant and then saying, actually, my heart's not doing well and I'm not connected to my heart. And for me, looking at doing ministry for the marathon – does not look possible if I don't know how to be healthy internally in my heart and my spirit and my soul. And so for me, that was saying time out and getting counseling once a week for a long time. And, and again, in the South counseling had a stigma attached to it of only the really messed up, broken people go to counseling. And now I look at people that get counseling as the most brave, self-aware people ever that they're willing to get help. And so if, if it's something like that, Take the time to get counseling because there's literally no way we can last in ministry long term without other people speaking into our process and helping us do that. So I would just encourage that with you, even if it's whatever it is, just making sure you're talking to people and getting help because we can't do it alone. We just can't. I'm going to say one more thing. Um, When you're talking, I for some reason heard the word vulnerability. I don't know what that means to you or if you need to, you know, if you're working on that in your life. And um, and then I just saw a picture of you um, standing, like, at a riverbank and with the river rushing beside you. And I, I saw you putting, like, one toe in and then just kind of, like, jumping full in. Um, so I just feel like that's a declaration over your life of you're just going all in. And and at first it felt cold is you know, what I'm thinking, like with your one toe in, you're like, this feels cold and unfamiliar, but it's actually a good thing, what you're stepping into, what you're walking into, and don't be afraid to be vulnerable um, with other people and just just go for it. I feel like the season feels um, cold and dark, but it's actually a good thing that you're getting ready to walk into. You're actually walking into a river of life. Um, What's your name? Meredith. Let's just pray. Extend your hands to Meredith. We'll just declare that over her. Jesus, we thank you for Meredith and the season that she's in that feels um, heavy and dark, but we declare that this is um, a season of new life and that she's getting ready to step into the river of life. Um, So we just pray that you would give her everything that she needs um, any courage to be vulnerable um, and just encouragement for what she's about to step into. And we just say thank you for her in her bravery and courage in Jesus' name. Yeah, and I just say 
Um, pray, uh, pray for the right people to come into your life. I feel like people is going to be a big key for you. So we just ask Jesus that you'd bring the right people along for Meredith. They'll be able to run beside her. They'll be able to keep her arms up when she's tired. They'll keep her head up when she's tired. And we just speak that in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, how can they be in touch with, like, the fathers and their message and all that stuff? Is that what you guys think? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Bethel TV. I mean, I, Bethel TV for me when I lived in North Carolina was, like, man, a lifesaver. I would watch that every Monday after the weekend just to be refreshed. And um, so Bethel TV and then all of them, you know, Bill Johnson, Chris Valentin, Danny Silk, they all have a ton of books and stuff like that. So just Google it literally because it's, it's everywhere. <laughs> Um, as far as our personal relationship with the Lord, um, I feel like, I feel like over my life, I've kind of experienced the different aspects of him depending on the season that I'm in. Um, and for me, the last, the last while, four or five years since becoming a dad has been experiencing him, him as father, like never before. Um, I mean, I can remember having my first son, just having a complete different, encounter with father God that I don't know that I'd had till I was a dad and could say, wow, I can't believe how much I love this little kid. So what does that mean for me and you? So I think the last few years has been definitely, uh, encountering his father God for sure. Yeah. And speaking to the, you know, mothers and fathers of the house, we always say that, you know, a lot of people, you just see the worship music and they're like, you know, how, how did this happen? Um, or, or what can we do, you know, for this to happen in our church? And, you know, we say, well, Bill Johnson, you know, has been contending for this literally for 30 years. He's been praying for this. And his father was actually the pastor at Bethel, right before him. So there are three generations, you know, behind this movement, um, that have been praying for this, that have been praying for revival. Um, so, you know, most of what we do is because of their, their hard, you know, their, yeah, we're just riding the wave, basically, so, um, you know, a lot of what we do is just due to Bill Johnson, who's this amazing father, um, you know, and as youth leaders, don't underestimate, you know, just getting before the Lord and contending for these things, like contending for revival in your youth group, um, and you may not even see the effects in this lifetime, and you know, I don't even, you know, I didn't stay connected to my youth pastor like Christine did, but um, <coughs> so you may not even, you know, see your youth kids and what they do, but, you know, the effects are long-lasting. Um, and then kind of like Paul said with the relationship with the Lord, I feel like I go through different seasons and he speaks to me in different ways. Um, I feel like the, the past few years it's been just always affirmation um no matter even if I feel like a failure 
um, he's constantly affirming me in his love and just um, even if like you can mess up but you know it doesn't change my identity in him that I'm his child and um, so that's that's kind of been the recent season yeah relationship with God definitely shifts and changes but it's awesome because you, you like any relationship you build history you know, and like I, I used to pastor worship leaders at the school ministry and I used to tell them like, don't worry, like when you get on stage, your history of God with God comes with you, you know, <laughs> it's like you don't just get on stage, you know, it's like your your history, your relationship with God, like the, the days that and the tears that fell between you and the Lord come on stage with you and um, the things nobody's going to see, nobody can really put themselves in your shoes and know actually how difficult some nights were or you know and that's like that's where the confidence comes from to to be in leadership you know I think everybody in here where do you get your confidence you know it comes from my relationship with the Lord it comes from you know my my daily walk with him and I always say that I used to have the apology disease you know, where like I'd at hit the end of the day and then I'd open my journal and be like, I'm sorry for this and I'm sorry for this and I'm sorry for this. You know, trying to like cover all of my bases because, you know, I thought that at any moment I was I was about to sin and fall off a cliff, you know. And then I remember the moment that God said, I made you good. Like I created you good. And uh, it just, it completely shocked me. It just completely shocked me that he called me good you know and, and then I started living from that place instead of sinning by faith because I believed I was a sinner <laughs> you know and uh, t- totally changed my life so I just constantly am listening for his words because just a three word sentence from the Lord will change my entire week my entire month you know like, and I'll it'll it's it's our daily bread you know it's it really is Did you guys hear his question? Oh, he asked like songwriters, as songwriters, how do you change your personal time with the Lord into a corporate like experience kind of or a song? Um, I I think for me, it's it's when you're when I'm spending time with the Lord, sometimes certain phrases will pop into my head, or I could be vacuuming and phrases will pop into my head, and I'll sit down and I'll write them, and then I'll sit down and write a song around it when my kids aren't pounding on the piano next to me, you know, and I'll write a song around it. And sometimes songs hit corporately. Sometimes they don't. Um, But it's just kind of always being aware that this is how God speaks to me. Like he speaks to me so that I can actually, I can write a song and maybe it's just between him and me, or maybe it is actually for the church, but that's I think every song is different, honestly. Um, and I don't know that there's a formula of 
you know, kind of turning it into corporate. I mean, there are, you know, um, just simple things of like, is this singable? I don't know. Are you asking for like practical things or just anything? Gotcha. Totally. Yeah. I mean, every Bethel music artist writes differently, honestly. Um, you know, like hearing phrases or, you know, coming up with lyrics and just the way that God speaks to everyone's a little different. But, I mean, I think, gosh, I don't know. You could use Jesus, we love you as a good example, I guess. Do that. What What do you want me to say? <laughs> Tell me what to say again. <laughs> I mean, I th I think, uh, yeah, again, it's different for everyone. But for me, I mean, it's kind of as easy as asking the Holy Spirit, like, is this meant for everyone or not? And, I, you know, because worship for me has always kind of been my way to process and find my way back and, and have clear perspective, like, genuinely, this is embarrassing, but, like, I need to worship after the Tar Heels lose a basketball game <laughs> because I'm devastated for real. And so worship will get my perspective back on like, hey, you retard, like it's a game, like come back to worship. So that's, a <laughs> that's was, eh, anyway. Uh, but because that's the way it is, because I find myself in worship, I'll, I'll genuinely ask the Holy Spirit, like, can I record this or not? Like, can I start a voice memo to work on this or not? And there's times where I don't feel like I'm supposed to record it and it's just me and the Lord. But um, Brian, I think Brian said it. He says, whatever starts in worship usually works for worship. And so that's why a lot of times we'll, you know, we'll use our spontaneous, we'll turn a spontaneous prophetic song into a legit song that we lead on Sunday. But I think it's just, you know, why would we not want to take those encounters that we've had and use them in the church so everyone else can have an encounter too? So, but I think it is just a balance of asking the Holy Spirit what that moment calls for. Yeah. Great question. Yes, is the answer. Every set. <laughs> it's a real thing. It's kind of crazy how in this, especially a creative world, you can feel like I'm the only one experiencing this. And then you talk about it and realize like probably everyone experiences that. Um, I think it's just, man, there's not an easy answer. Again, it's like just that relationship with the Lord and with people of like people seeing you and asking people for feedback and things like that. And I always... I always want to be a good steward of what's on my life, so that's the way I look at it. I know that God's called me to be a worship leader, a songwriter, so am I doing a good job of growing that and stewarding that? And am I taking risk or am I just being comfortable? And I know because it's very easy once you get to a certain level where you're good to just hit autopilot and lead a worship set, and it's the same as it was last time, and you know in your heart that really wasn't actually a sacrifice. I kind of just did it because I'm good at it now. And so I never want to stay in that place. So for me, it's it's kind of as easy as Holy Spirit, turning your heart towards him. I rely on you. And then I want to take a risk in this set and not feel like I'm just comfortable doing what I always do. Yeah, all of that is really good. Um, just adding on to that. I mean, it could you may just be talking about practically. I'm not sure. Um, but even just spiritually, you know, if you feel dry or whatever, Reading the Bible brings life, and, you know, 
maybe other books as well. Like if I feel like I am just lacking inspiration or feeling plateaued, I just start reading and it really, um, it just brings life back to me. I feel like there are, I love reading the old Testament cause they're the craziest stories in there. It's so cool. So I love reading that. And then when I sing a song on Sunday morning that I've been, you know, if I've been reading an amazing story of what the Lord has done, when I sing about his faithfulness, I connect those two. Like, you know, if I'm, if I've been reading about that during the week, it shows up in my worship on Sunday. Um, so in just reading things that kind of spark your imagination and even what Christine was talking about, like bringing the Lord into the little things um, and not having separation, it just helps in every every way. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm like, this, ha- this happened to me uh, like last two weeks ago. You know, I had those thoughts. Like, um, I think... I think I've reached my potential and now I need to do something different. Like maybe I, maybe I can go water plants, you know, (laughs) I just like, these are real thoughts, you know? And, uh, yeah, for real. I'm like the, maybe the winter gardens will uh, hire me. Uh, and it's, and it's funny because you, it's, it's, we pick up sometimes just a thought and we, and we accept it as truth, but, I remember standing on the stage at our conference, Heaven Come, and having that thought and then realizing, that isn't truth. And then I just, I just led worship like my life depended on it. You know, and I felt like I got that breakthrough that, that I, I needed in the moment. But, I mean, some, some little things start as a thought. Like, maybe I plateaued. So it depends, like, what are you going to do with that thought? You know, do you want to believe it? Because you can, and you can stay there. Or you can just be like, no, that's that's not what I want to believe, you know. And um, I don't know if you know who Tommy Walker is, but he's a guy that's been leading worship forever. He wrote "That's All We Praise Him," and he knows my name. Just one of those guys. Been at his church for twenty five years as a worship pastor, and I met him last year. And he said, um, "This year, I didn't want to feel like I'd reach my full potential. I didn't want to stop growing, and so I committed to writing one song a week." And I also committed to learning something new on the guitar, even though he'd been playing guitar for 30 years. So he had like all these like finger picks and he had just started doing that. And he played the song that he'd been learning. And I was like, man, that's amazing. A guy that's been leading worship for 25 years learned something new this year. So I think just setting goals for yourself of, I want to get better. Um, I want to grow in my excellence. Cause if you, you know, if you're decent at guitar, like set that as a goal and you'll find, like, you know, a lot of the reason these guys are so good at leading worship or playing in worship is because they're excellent at their craft and they don't have to think about that when they're leading worship. And so something like that. Also, you know, I mentioned risk, but just not letting fear be a thing that's holding you back. And obviously it's easier said than done. But for me, a lot of times I find when I've plateaued, it's because I have accepted or I've ignored the places that I'm afraid of and I don't really touch them. And so pushing into that, which for me, when I came to Bethel, leading in front of my heroes, Brian and Jen and Jeremy and all these people that I've looked up for for years, having to lead in front of them, it was very easy to say no to opportunities because I was afraid. And so the Lord told me when I moved to Bethel that I wasn't allowed to say no to anything for like a year. 
and it was the worst <laughs> because it would be like the times when you're not prepared and then you won't have, you know, oh, well, I'm not prepared and I didn't know I was going to do it. And the Lord said, say yes. And I did. And it just helps you grow when you, when you've just, uh, you're resigning your heart to say yes to things that you're afraid of. You'll see your growth happen really fast. So. All right. So sadly we have to close up our time with you, but we have one last question for you. So, um, you're in a room full of youth pastors and youth leaders, so what is uh, one thing that you would say to them, a word of advice for those that are reaching and teaching the next generation? Great question. Oh, nice. I gave this advice at Heaven Come, and they told me not to give it in this breakout, but I'm going to do it. I said, anything great can happen to you in life if you just lower your expectations. <laughs> Just a joke. Just a joke. <laughs> so good. Oh, yeah, we'll pray for you. Does anyone have any specific advice? Tell they're doing a good job. Seriously, you guys are doing an amazing job. Don't forget that. Youth, <laughs> leading in youth is the hardest job in the world. I can remember trying to learn how to lead worship, and they just stared at me. And I was like, man, I am not good at this. <laughs> but then they'd come up to me years later like, you changed my life. And, it, and it's like, Wow. You could have shown that just a little bit. Like, maybe say thanks every now and again. For sure not. But, yeah, just be encouraged. You guys are doing an amazing job. It's invaluable, you spending time in young people's life. It's invaluable. It's changing the world. It will change the world. Let's pray for you. You guys want to stand? Touch each other. Encourage each other. Reach out to other youth pastors. That would be an advice, too. Be connected. Don't do it alone. You want to all pray? Jesus, thank you for these amazing leaders. Thank you for what they're going after. Thank you that they're even willing to be here with all these stinky teenagers <laughs> on this field. Just thank you for the time that they put in. Thank you for the way they're giving their lives. I pray that they would just be encouraged this week, that you would give them an amazing amount of refreshing and encouragement, that you would help them uh, just meet people this week, that they'd feel like they're meeting other people with like-mindedness, that they would feel encouraged by going after the same things. I pray for encounters this week at this festival, that they would encounter you in a fresh way, that they would receive a fresh and new revelation of who you are, of what you're doing in the world, that you're moving, that revival is coming, that revival is happening, that you are moving in the world. I just pray for a special, fresh encouragement over their lives this week. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you, guys.